This is part three of a four-part podcast based on the series on TimLennox.com about the CSS Alabama and its captain, Raphael Sims. Part three. The new ship, the CSS Alabama, turned out to be a great investment for the South. Between September the 5th and the end of that month, the CSS Alabama took and burned 10 Yankee ships valued at more than the cost to build her. Some of them were whalers, their captains shocked to learn that they had become prisoners of war. While Sims had to chase a few of them, two actually sailed toward the Alabama, believing her to be a U.S. ship sent to protect them from raiders, like the mysterious and dangerous Alabama they had been hearing about. In New York and Boston, the country's two major foreign shipping centers, the reaction to those first ship burnings was immediate. Indignant editorials in the city's papers demanded that the U.S. Navy do something to protect the merchant marine and to catch the Alabama. Stephen Fox, the author of Wolf of the Deep, quoted the New York Herald on November the 3rd, 1862. Can one vessel do as she pleases on the high seas, as we, with our resources of ships, guns, men, and money, be unable to prevent it? The people ask the question, how long is this to last? Again, Stephen Fox in Wolf of the Deep, the Boston Post, October the 11th, 1862. What if some fine morning she should make her appearance off Boston light? Have we anything with which to stop her? The New York Chamber of Commerce spread the story that Sims burned ships at night to attract other ships which he would then plunder. The chamber warned. The sight of a burning ship could no longer be considered the call to aid, but a signal to steer clear of potential pirates in view of this atrocity. It is the duty of this chamber to announce for the information of all who are interested in the safety of human life, the life of shipwrecked passengers and crews, that henceforth the light of a burning ship at sea will become to the American sailor the signal that lures to destruction and will not be, as in times past, the beacon to guide the generous and intrepid mariner to the rescue of the unfortunate. The chamber was especially indignant about the brilliant, the first New York City-based ship to be taken and burned by Sems. Sems later wrote, Her destruction must have disappointed a good many holders of bills of exchange drawn against her cargo. For the ship alone and the freight monies which were lost by her destruction came to the amount of $93,000. The cargo was probably even more valuable than the ship. On the TimBlanix.com blog, you can see a newspaper clipping Sam's attached to his logbook in October of 1862. It tells the New York Chamber of Commerce demanding action against the pirate Sam's and his CSS Alabama. Sims obtained valuable information from the newspapers he found on ships he seized. It was perhaps the first war in which the mass media played a significant role. Sims also read about the movement of northern ships in those newspapers. Did Sims really burn one ship at night to lure others? He claims not. In fact, he wrote that he avoided burning ships at night for the very reason that he did not want some northern warship coming to investigate. It didn't matter. The chamber's complaints had the intended effect. There was a public uproar in the North with calls for Sims to be hanged from the CSS Alabama's yardarm when and if he was caught. But despite dozens of U.S. ships sent out to find the raider, she was nowhere to be found. Sims' success in hiding was possible in part because he could move around almost undetected. Telegraphs were in their infancy, limited to landlines, so his location was mostly a mystery. 
Northern ships could only go by reports of sightings, and Sims was a master at giving false clues. He would casually mention to a shipboard visitor that they would be headed to Cuba, only to travel in the opposite direction. In addition, there were virtually no photographs of the ship, and her retracting smokestack added to her invisibility. Throughout her voyage, there were frequent instances in which other ships failed to recognize her till it was too late. The South might not have had the factories and armories to match the North, but Confederate Navy Secretary Mallory and Semmes himself believed ships like the Alabama and the Florida traveling alone could interfere with northern shipping to the point that it would make a difference in the war itself. It would do so by inflicting damage and by forcing the North to divert some ships assigned to blockade duty in southern ports to instead go after the raiders. Within weeks of Sam's first raids on the Sumter, insurance companies were boosting rates, and ships were being sold to foreign firms to put them under a flag that would not likely make them a target. In October of 1862, Sam's was 250 miles away from the U.S. East Coast. He pointed the Alabama toward New York City for his planned attack. Along the way, though, he took some ships. On the 23rd, it was the New York-based Lafayette, headed to Belfast with grain. The captain was brought before Sims. He presented a British consular certificate, suggesting to the admiral that it would protect him and his ship. But the sea lawyer would have nothing of it. He wrote in his journal, New Yorkers are getting smart, but it won't save it. It's a damned hatched-up mess. He burned the Lafayette. On the 28th, the Alabama took the Loretta, and on the 29th, the Baron de Castile, an old vessel not worth much of anything. Sims put the prisoners from those burn ships onto it and sent it to New York Harbor with a sarcastic message for the New York Chamber of Commerce president, thanking him for the complimentary resolutions he had passed in regard to the Alabama. Sims later wrote in his book Service Afloat, There must have been a merry mess in the cabin of the Baron that night, as there were masters and mates from three burned ships. New York was all agog when the Baron arrived, and there was others racing and chasing after the pirate, as I afterward learned. But that was as close to attacking New York City as Sims would get. The ship had been damaged during a run-in with a hurricane some weeks before, and the chief engineer delivered even worse news. They were low on coal. Alabama Masters made George Fulham wrote in his log, We were considerably startled and annoyed. To astonish the enemy in New York Harbor, to destroy their vessels in their own waters, had been the darling wish of all on board. It was not to be. Sam's couldn't risk depending on sail alone to make a quick escape from the inner New York Harbor. He headed off to find coal, always a problem because of the northern blockade of southern ports and the supposed neutrality of many other countries. At the same time, the hunt for the Alabama was heating up. On October the 30th, an assistant secretary of the U.S. Navy wrote in his journal about a reward. The Navy Department has published that it will give $500,000 for the capture and delivery to it of the vessel, the Alabama, or $300,000 if she is destroyed. But Sam's had just begun. The CSS Alabama would travel the seas for another eight months, taking 44 more prizes, including the warship, the USS Hatteras, just off Galveston, Texas. It was the first yardarm fight between steamships at sea, and the only instance during the entire Civil War of a Confederate vessel sinking a U.S. Navy ship. Near North Island in East India, on November the 11th, 1863, he took the Contest, a beautiful clipper ship based in New York wrote one of the Alabama's officers, We had never taken so fine a vessel. She was a revelation of symmetry, a very racehorse. 
a sacrilege, almost a desecration to destroy so perfect a specimen of man's handiwork. They burned her nonetheless. An addendum here, the CSS Alabama traveled as far as the current-day Vietnam. During her visits to South Africa, she created such a stir that a song was written in her honor, a song that is still sung today, Dar Come the Alabama. Also, the sea shanty, Roll Alabama Roll, has been performed by numerous groups. When the Alabama's keel was laid, Roll Alabama Roll, it was laid in the yard of Jonathan Laird. Oh, Roll Alabama Roll, it was laid in the yard of Jonathan Laird. Roll Alabama Roll, it was laid in the town of Birkenhead. Away she rolled then, roll Alabama roll. Liverpool fitted her with guns and men. Oh, roll Alabama roll. From the, the original plans of the ship are part of the Hool collection at the University of Alabama. Coming up next, the finale to this four-part series about the CSS Alabama and Raphael Sam. Sem sails and steams his way across the sea. The Alabama comes to a spectacular end off the coast of France. The conclusion of this series will be published on Sunday, September 27th. That will be the 200th anniversary of Raphael Sem's birth. Many a sailor lad foresaw his doom. Roll, Alabama, roll. When the Kearsarge hove in view. Oh, roll, Alabama, roll. From the forward pivot that day, roll Alabama, roll. Shot the Alabama third away. Oh, roll Alabama, roll. Off the three-mile limit in '64, roll Alabama, roll. The Alabama sank to the ocean floor. Oh, roll Alabama, roll. When the Alabama's keel was laid, roll Alabama, roll. It was laid in the yard of Jonathan Laird, oh, roll Alabama, roll.